They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a hit bobbing finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. The 34th Breeders' Cup begins on Friday and stretches into Saturday. We've spent a great deal of time on this podcast introducing you to some of the more interesting storylines and characters who will pop up during the event. Now it's time to figure out who's going to win these races, or at least some of these races. So for that, we welcome back to Win the Gate two of our favorite handicappers who both happen to be in San Diego for the event. I'm quite jealous. We have with us the great Bobby Halt, freelance writer who also operates the New York Hot List Handicapping Service, and back with us as well as Ed DeRosa of the Brisnet Handicapping Service. So let's start with the Dirt Mile, which is really interesting here, because you have what I look to be a quite a bit of pace in here, and you have a lot of closers, and so before we get into all of that... What do you think the track has been playing like here? What should we be looking for, speed or closers, or does it matter? Let's start with Ed. My instinct is that I don't want a deep closer in this spot for sure. For me, the dirt mile, the the questions are more about the fitness of the horses and the, the training coming into it than how the track's playing, because on paper, there look to be two horses and everyone else. But to me, that are they ready is the bigger question than can they handle the track. Gee, I'm sorry you said speed, because I was really looking at Awesome Slew here, who's a big closer, but I guess I need to go elsewhere. I mean, he's fast, but to me, with more spirit and sharp Azteca having a, a pace edge and sort of that first jump mentality that we talk a lot about in turf, especially with this, the way this track's playing, and for those not familiar with Delmar, the quarter pole is on the far turn. You look at tracks like Churchill and Keeneland, the quarter pole, you're already practically in the stretch. So it, it's a pretty short stretch here for the type of races they run. And I think deep closers in the dirt mile, especially, you're going to have a tough time. Is it two versus everyone else, Bob? Uh, it could be, though. I'm not sure. I, I'm definitely the one that I do like is probably more spirit. And I'm, I'm going on this based off reading Bob Baffert more than anyone, anything else. Um, I had talked to Bob several times since more spirits, uh, huge effort in the Met Mile, and Bob was kind of was kind of hesitant about how he was doing. That uh, he did say that the race took a great deal out of him, which is not unusual considering how big that he raced. But I talked to him last week, and he was saying, "Yeah, I really like now what I'm seeing in more spirit." Uh, he thinks he's finally gotten over that Met Mile, and usually when and Baffert really usually reads his horses very well, so I think you're going to get a sharp effort out of uh, more spirit. I'm not sure about Sharp Azteca. I'm not sure if Delmar is going to suit him. Uh, I might be tempted to try and beat him. Uh, what I would think you should use would be uh, the other Baffert horse. That sometimes really gets into the picture here, and that would be Cupid. I, I think Cupid could be sitting on a nice race, which should work out well for him here. Hey, he won a mile at Del Mar, but it was a minor race. But, boy, that would be the start of what could be an unbelievable weekend for Coolmore, since they own Cupid. 
Ed, the other one I was looking back, and, and one of the angles I love here always is cutting back in distance. And Accelerate is cutting back in distance here. And he's going to be part of that pace scenario, I think. Do you think he has a chance here? Uh, certainly a chance. And, you know, I think in some other circumstances, I might like him a lot more. My issue is, since I do like more spirit, I agree with Bob on the points he mentioned, and I actually do like sharp Azteca. I'm not being very creative with the top two choices. So for me, uh, if I were to go any deeper, it wouldn't be with the, the third choice. I would want to find some bigger price to spice things up when wagering. So I figure Accelerate will be the third or fourth choice. And to me, that's kind of why I'm not as gung-ho on him. But look, I mean, the, the win over the track and surface over Arrogate, and granted it wasn't the Arrogate we've seen in the past. Nevertheless, he wanted a mile and a 16th at Del Mar. That has to be respected. If you don't like more spirit or sharp Azteca, Accelerate certainly is, is a, a good choice to you know fall on. Let's move on to a race that doesn't have a lot of pace. It's the main event of Friday's card, which is the Distaff. And here's a race that doesn't look like it sets up for an early pace figure here. You know, maybe a horse like Stellar Wind who would be just off that pace. But with a pace not being that strong, Bob, I think you can go for horses maybe coming from behind. Uh, yeah, the one uh, I think the one that I'm, I'm kind of going with here will probably need a bit of a pace in front of him uh, to help uh, help her. It would be a late from Bill Mott. I mean, I think this horse has really blossomed in her last two races. She won powerfully against in the Alabama and the Bell Day men against older Phillies and mares. Not really a great field that that she beat in the Bell Day, but one of the horses who was third, Eskin for Money, came back and won this past uh, weekend at Belmont Park. I just think Bill Mott has a great touch with the Phillies and Mares, and it's not unusual to see him uh, develop someone like uh, he has in a late. I, I think I think she has a good enough tactical speed that she should be able to lay close to the lead, make her move, and I think she's going to be tough to handle in the stretch. I love her, too, and the workouts. I mean, there, there's always one or two. Uh, we see this with Oaks Derby Week one or two horses that, you know, are sort of the talking horses. And she's definitely one of them this Breeders' Cup week. And, you know, when you factor in Bill Mott, it's very easy to understand that she's probably coming into the best race of her career. And we saw that with Royal Delta uh, when she was under his tutelage and and really blossomed in the fall. So uh, to me, she absolutely fits. I agree she'll need pace to run at, and I think she'll get it. Everyone out here who's familiar with Champagne Room, the upset winner of last year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, has said that she is absolutely going for the lead from the rail and will be engaging Paradise Woods. So assuming that comes to fruition, I have no problem thinking a late will get pace to run at. And then that also opens the door for Forever Unbridled. Forever Unbridled is still last. She has not been let loose yet, and she is going strongly. She's coming three wide here. And Mike Smith and Songbird turn for home in front. Forever Unbridled is coming down the center of the racetrack. Songbird with a 60th to go. Forever Unbridled runs at her. Songbird inside. Forever Unbridled on the outside. A dramatic finish. Forever Unbridled has defeated Songbird in the personal ensign. Forever Unbridled did it. To me is the other one. I picked a late on top, but I'm going to use Forever Unbridled pretty much in equal strength. I think she'll be rolling late. 
She beat Songbird, who I have a ton of respect for. I wasn't one of these that thought Songbird lost the step this year. Phillies just get better. I mean, it's hard to maintain your dominance as a two- and three-year-old. Other horses improve, too. But to me, beating Songbird was a big feather and forever on Bridal's cap, and I expect her in a late to decide this uh, in the distaff in the final 16th. Well, you may know more about this, Ed, than I do, but Forever Unbridled had been ridden basically forever by Joel Rosario, who is not only not riding her here, John Velasquez is, and he's ridden her before, but Joel Rosario is not even in this race. For a jockey that's had so much success with a horse, why would Dallas Stewart take him off? Well, uh, from what I've heard is Mr. Fipke is very engaged in his stable and uh, he wanted John Velasquez and it was an owner decision is what they're saying out here. But I share your angst. It it seems uh, they should have figured out a way to to tell the owner, hey, look, (laughs) you got to dance with who you came to the dance with. And it's bad karma surrounding the horse for sure. Uh, There's talk that Joel is entitled to the same cut that Johnny V gets if he wins because they didn't tell him late enough. So that might help the karma a little bit, but yeah, I, I don't get it either. Wouldn't it certainly wouldn't have been my move, but you know, to use the cliche, that's racing. We're going to take a short break here on in the gate, but when we come back, can lady Aurelia American trained champion in Europe, put on a command performance on her native soil. Plus what I think is the most contentious race on the card, the Philly and mare sprint. We'll dissect both of those races when we come back. Welcome back to the In the Gate podcast. We continue dissecting the Breeders' Cup. The next race I want to discuss, which takes place on Saturday, I don't think is going to be formful at all, and that is the turf sprint. This has potential upset written all over it. I was speaking with Richard Hoyles, the estimable british track announcer about lady aurelia as we were discussing horses that had raced in europe obviously she's american trained and bred but raced in europe and he had a very very strong question about whether lady aurelia will run well around a turn and i value his opinion i wonder what you guys think of that let's start with ed yeah, this is a race I'm definitely looking forward to fading the top two choices, Lady Aurelia and Marsha, another female uh, taking on the males here. And it, it's interesting, the turf sprint often has that sort of chaos and wide open mentality. And last year it was the only race, the favorite one of the 13 Breeders' Cup races. So sometimes, uh, you know, the favorite does win, but I agree with you, Barry. This year it looks like uh, there's definitely a a chance to go bomb sniffing. And to me, Lady Aurelia is just going to be over bad. You know, people people love her. Uh, she's a lot of fun. She shipped over to Europe and, and be older males earlier in the year. Lady Aurelia nearest to us. Muthmere beginning to stay on behind those. Lady Aurelia down the centre in the white and green colours. She's going away at the end. Lady Aurelia and John Velasquez. Oh, she's one by two or three in great style. That's super exciting, and, uh, you know, Stone Street is is great for the game. They, you know, they take their shots. There's a lot of reasons to like her as a horse and the story, et cetera, but as a wagering prospect, I just don't see that she's any faster than half of this field and is the favorite. That's the, the, I mean, that's 
absolutely when you want to bet again. So for me, it'll be a lot of fun if she wins. Wesley Ward's easy to cheer for, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, there's definitely uh, some options here at bigger prices. This is one of the races I'm most excited to bet. Well, two things there. Number one, I hope she repeats in the King Stand at Royal Ascot because I will be there. I will be there for day one of Royal Ascot next year. Definitely on my bucket list. Cannot wait. Number two, the last race she ran, which I think is the best race run in either North America or Europe all year, the Nunthorpe, where she finished second to Marsha, she carried 132 pounds. She'll only carry 121 in the Breeders' Cup. What difference, Bob, do you think that makes? It definitely will make a little bit of difference, but I think a lot of, when you look at it, it's it's relative, the weight. In that race, the horses, like even Marsher, carried 133 pounds. It was like the, the weights of the race were 134, 132, 137. I, I think weight then there could be relative, uh, that it wasn't like she was carrying 132 and giving 12 pounds to the other horses. I, I'm not sure if I like Lady Aurelia at what the price she's going to get, but I'm not sure what the, in terms of what they're saying about the uh, her ability to uh, handle the turns here. She has one at Keeneland at, in a five-and-a-half furlong sprint. I, I think she's going to be very tough. Same with Marsha, depending on how she handles the uh, – uh, handles the trip to California and everything. She probably has more going against her because Lady Aurelia has been making numerous trips uh, from the United States to uh, England. Uh, but I will say I kind of agree. I think there's you, you, you want to look for a price horse in this race because especially trip uh, in a five furlong race could be the key factor. Someone could get burned out. Someone could not have room. You want to look for a price one I'm kind of interested in that I think could get a piece, maybe not win, but might get into your exactor or trifecta, uh, holding gold from uh, Mark Cassie's barn. Uh, he, he, on occasion, that horse can run a really top race, coming off kind of a poor effort in, at the Turf Monster in parks. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this one bounce back and really give a very competitive effort here at a big price. You know who well said, I'm looking at two other bombs here that could sneak up either to win or get second. I want to get your thoughts on them. Number one is Kotai Glory, the eight, who ran well around the turn at Woodbine, stalk, maybe get a good trip from the eight post. And the other one is Buchero, the 11, for Tim Gleishaw. Coming to the eighth pole, Buchero, his second by three. Mongolian Saturday is in third. And then comes Hoagie fourth on the far outside. Buchero striding forward for the lead. We'll have to fend off Mongolian Saturday and Hoagie. Buchero in deep stretch. Fernando de la Cruz. Buchero, 26 to 1 upset in the Woodford presented by Keeneland Select. Tough post. But the jockey has made a big difference since Fernando de la Cruz has been on him. He's finished second and then won two in a row. And I just wonder if you think either of these double-digit horses here have any chance. Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm Buchero. And, and in general, given the prices, that Woodford Stakes is, is a race I'm willing to bet could be a key to the turf sprint. Uh, Buchero at 12-1 to off a win, certainly intrigues. And he, he might get the same exact trip. There isn't a lot of pace in here. He could get first run on everyone behind him uh, with a similar trip. And the horses behind him, like Hoagie and Mongolian Saturday, who won this race two years back, they're right there, too, at big prices. Uh, Kotai Glory, I was fortunate I I was at uh, that day. And and the turf course, I mean, it's just going to be totally different. I mean, 
a complete 180 from what he ran in that bog at, at Woodbine versus uh, what he'll get here. So, you know, 20 to one, he was uh, five to two uh, in the Arctic, which was, you know, pretty good field. And now you get 20 to one here. Uh, I certainly wouldn't talk you off. The, the one horse I have to mention, because it's my best bet of the weekend is disco partner. And there's some questions about five furlongs and uh, to me, at 9-2 to two is the third choice, maybe even a little higher if they bet the Phillies. He is absolutely on every ticket, and I'm going to single in, in some Maltese as well. Uh, he's a world record holder, really done nothing wrong, likes firm turf. Uh, Irad Ortiz, you know, Clement uh, supplemented him. Uh, he'll have some pace to run at if, if they go early, just everything's on go for me with this horse. So Disco Partner, uh, I didn't want to – past the turf sprint without mentioning he's one of my bets of the weekend i was going to get to him and bob here's what i want to know about disco partner i have heard various horse racing pundits of which we are some but not the ones i'm speaking of kind of put down that world record he ran on belmont day in the jiper 105 and three-fifths as some kind of you know they, they were dismissing it and i'm wondering what that's about well, any any time that you have a turf record, it, it, they, there's usually some kind of question because it, it depends on the uh, what kind of turf you're running on. Sometimes you get these lock hard turf courses where you can get fast time, you get incredibly fast times. Other times uh, you just can run into bog and you can run ten seconds slower. So turf times generally go in and out. There's also a lot of question at Belmont on their turf course as to whether the times are accurate. A lot of the times, this is something you, you. It's not unusual to hear a time at Belmont, on the, especially on the turf course, get changed. So there was some question as to how fast uh, he did exactly run. Bottom line, though, that was a, that was a great performance. I, I and certainly uh, I could see what Ed is uh, saying about the horse. This is a, a horse who really has a ton of speed. Not so much on the front end, but I mean, the fast horse who should be a major factor as Ed picks in the race. And, and I definitely think he, you want to include him for sure in, in your exotic plays. And let's finish this first show with another sprint, the Philly and Mare sprint, which to me has the biggest upset of the weekend available here. I absolutely love Curlin's approval. Less than a quarter of a mile to go in the Princess Rooney and Curlin's approval and Louis Saez come away with the lead. In between horses, it's Dearest on the far outside and Distinta. Lightstream begins to hit her best stride and so does Bird at the Wire. There's an eighth of a mile to go and Curlin's approval pulling out everything she has. Curlin's approval now by three. Curlin's approval now by four. It's Curlin's approval on her way to the Breeders' Cup with an easy win in the Princess Rooney. If you look at her best times, they are faster than Paula Silver Lining's best times. Paula Silver Lining is 8 to 1, Curlin's approval is 20 to 1. I don't understand where the the odds ha- are so different when you look at the numbers. Ed, what do you think of Curlin's approval? Uh, she she certainly fits. I mean, I, I think she'll have to have her running shoes on to to run with Unique Bella and Finley's Lucky Charm. But I, I agree with you. It's one of those situations where you look at the field, who can win, you know, what your who you think can win most often, who's sort of the second tier. And to me, you look at her numbers, and she is she's right there with horses, as you say, who are going to be under ten to one. 
I mean, I, I think the 20 to one in part is, you know, the owner, trainer, breeder, happy altar. People might not be familiar with that name. They should listen to your podcast to get more familiar. You know, Luis Saez isn't, you know, a big glamour breeders cup jockey. So that probably helps the price a little bit, but I'm with you. I mean, I'm a big fan of unique Bella and Finley's lucky charm raw talent. But to me, Curlin's approval is a horse. You can get in the number or on top and hook up with, the logicals and make it a payday. And that's why these big, big event days are great. You have full field and you can get 20 to one on a horse who, you know, if this were a stake at Gulfstream, even in the winter, she might be five to two, seven to two. Now you get 20 to one. She's definitely one to use. Uh, even if you're like me and like the favorites, she's one of those that you wouldn't mind crashing the exotics at the expense of some others. The only time Unique Bella ran seven furlongs, she ran in the Santa Inez and won it in 122-1. and Curlin's approval won the Princess Rooney on Summit of Speed Day at Calder, I mean Gulfstream, seven furlongs in 121-3. and Yet the odds are so different, 9-5 to on Unique Bella, 20-1 to on Curlin's approval. It doesn't make any sense. Who else has a chance in here, Bob? If I could add one thing about uh, Curlin's approval... I saw the same thing in running the figures for the race and said, my gosh, this horse is as fast as anyone. And like you said, at 20 to one, the only thing I will point out as a caveat with that, all of those big numbers are at Gulfstream. If this race was at Gulfstream park, I think she definitely would be five to two. When you look at her fast numbers at Gulfstream, then she comes up to Saratoga for the ballerina. She runs a very bad race. So with her, yeah, I think probably a 20 to one, you want to look at her, but I would kind of, I'm not going to go crazy with her because I kind of wonder if she's a horse, a horse for the course at Gulfstream Park. So who else, who else is here for you? Well, I'm going to try, I, I think I'm going to go with Paula's silver lining. This is a horse who, who she won three straight races uh, for Chad Brown. Then they kind of had to make it, make a decision. She ran a big race for them. And then how do you get her? to the uh, Breeders' Cup, I think was the question. Chad kind of feels that he brought the horse back a little bit too soon at Saratoga in running in the uh, ballerina. The horse may have bounced. Since then, he loves the ways that she's training. I think she's going to revert to her top form, and, and I think she's going to be sitting on a, a real big race on uh, on Saturday in, in, at this seven furlong distance. What about Sky Diamonds, Ed? I mean, she's got a tough post, but she's very consistent here and only five to one. So people are saying she has a chance. Very consistent. But does the post hurt her too much? Uh, five to one seems really light to me. And it's it's a similar comment, given that price that I made on the dirt mile. Since I do like Unique Bella, I do like Finley's Lucky Charm. To me, Sky Diamonds doesn't do much for me because, you know, at that point, those two are in the trifecta. I want a Curlin's approval or a By the Moon to be the third horse. So for me, I'm less enthused with Sky Diamonds, especially at that price. I think she'll be a little higher, though. Five to one seems really ambitious. And, uh, you know, the local morning line maker probably just shaded toward the, the horse he knew about and, and went too low. But to me, she would definitely be a, a fade at that price, especially you know, considering some of the horses we just talked about and their prices, Crohn's approval by the moon. Ami's Mesa to me isn't impossible. You know, she's 20 to one and we'll see how she does with dirt, but uh, that's another bomb I, I wouldn't count out. But to answer your question about the post, since I just gave you unique belly and Ami's Mesa, uh, I have no problem with the outside. 
Thanks, gentlemen. Bobby Halt and Ed DeRosa will be back with us tomorrow for part two of Handicapping the Breeders' Cup. Will Gunrunner cap off a potential Horse of the Year campaign by winning the Breeders' Cup Classic? Or will it be a return to top form for the defending champion, Arrogate? Remember, you can get us on our YouTube channel as well by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you probably didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. Remember to join us tomorrow for part two of Handicapping the Breeders' Cup. But for now, that's In The Gate. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you tomorrow.